Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? In 2020, an incredible $103.6 billion was spent on our pets in the U.S., with more than 67% of American households owning at least one pet. In the metro Detroit area, doting pet parents are very well served by Premier Pet Supply, a growing retail operator in this dynamic industry. My guest today is Ryan Palmer, managing partner of Premier Pet Supply, representing the second generation of ownership. Mike's passion for the business and balance of merchandising and customer care come through loud and clear. I found Mike's personal journey and business goal setting quite compelling. Please enjoy this episode of Generation Excellence with Mike Palmer. Mike Palmer from Premier Pet Supply. Welcome to the Generation Excellence podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you here. And is is you, if I if I have it right, you're now 12 locations with more stores coming online quickly. Is that accurate? Well, it would be accurate if we didn't uh, run into some hiccups. We have nine stores open currently with three on the way this year. Three on the way, okay. Hoping to have opened in August here of 2021, but uh, due to the raw materials and labor shortage, I can't get shelving right now. Shelving, build out, okay, yeah. and all those, all those kind of challenges. So, you know, that kind of format of this podcast has been to kind of, you know, celebrate legacy businesses and, you know, where they were in the past and where they're going in the future and what they're dealing with now. But so can you, um, you know, explain to listeners, you know, I guess, talk about Ray, who's I think your uncle and a founding like almost 30 years ago and and the, this the origin of the business and then when you got involved and how you got involved. Absolutely. So Ray Hassano, my uncle, um, back in 1992 or prior to that, uh, had an idea to open a pet supply store. Now, he and his brothers for many years had had smaller markets for for the the, the two legged animals the, the you know, the people out there. <laughs> in uh, different neighborhoods in Detroit. And um, they had parted ways and were all each on their own looking for their own venture. And finding that there was a huge lack of great items and selection for his own pet, he Mm -hmm. thought it would be a great idea to open a store that met those needs. So, you know, he found the need and, and uh, you know, he, he came up with a game plan and put a business plan together for it. Now his brothers thought he was absolutely crazy having owned markets that were maybe three or 4,000 square feet and telling them he'd be opening a store exclusively to sell items for pets. That was going to be 6,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. They had uh, written them off as, as being absolutely crazy. Now at the time, you know, the independent pet supply stores or just pet supply stores in, in general were not uh, as uh, readily available to us and out there in the market like they are now pet supplies plus out of Redford, Michigan, who now that now boasts over 500 locations nationwide, only had six at the time okay. that Michael was looking to open the store. But he found a fantastic location at 13 Mile in Southfield. I think it ended up probably being even better than he even imagined or anticipated at the time. Because if you were to look at it on a map here in the Metro Detroit area, it wouldn't just you know jump out at you. But it turned out to be great, and bank approved the you know the uh, the business plan as yeah. they did back in the day and. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the store was opened in August of 1992. You know, that theme or that concept of, 
the starting of it and somebody said, you're crazy, has come up multiple times in talking about these businesses that have been around for a while and, and grown and done a lot of things. So that that's pretty neat. And then, so now for yourself, what, what is your, what was your first, you know, exposure to the business first involvement um, and then, you know, full joining of it. Sure. So in, uh, in 1994, graduating high school with the plans of potentially owning my own business one day mm-hmm. and not knowing what that business may be, uh, you had my, my eyes set on that prize. And I'd always set goals when I was younger. It was really important for me to set short-term, mid-term term, and long-term goals. And, and, and one was opening my own business. I saw the pride that many of my family members had in owning their own businesses. And, okay. and I, I wanted a piece in a part of that, you know, I, um, I, I did take business courses with the intention of going to business school. Um, but you know, when I had started, um, it was only because they needed help at the store. You uh-huh. know? And, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the industry at all. I, I had worked retail jobs in the past, but you know, I, I jumped on and, and started back in, uh, in 94 and, uh, I quickly learned how great a business it was. I mean, people absolutely love spoiling their pets. You know, I mean, they treat mm-hmm. them as good as their kids and sometimes even sometimes better, better really yeah. part of the family now uh, more so. But, um, you know, just as far as my education goes, I got as far as getting accepted in Wayne State's business school. By by that time, uh, I was around 21 years old and I um, uh, was already running the store completely on my own for the most part. You know, my uncle had taken a back seat at other businesses and uh, was still there as a mentor and for guidance. But I really was, uh, I was doing well, I was working hard, working a lot of hours, you know, as retail hours go. And, um, you know, I was making good money for a 20, 21 year old sure. time. And so I, uh, I just went with it and continued on running the business as my mother had taught me anywhere you work, treat it as if it your own. Treat, and act like an owner. Right. And, yeah, and, 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 and so talk about the transition, I guess. I mean, was it a transition? I, I believe you bought the business from your, your uncle so or working, how did that go? Uh, for, yeah, sure. After working for about six or seven years, when I was around 24 or 25, I uh, had approached my uncle, you know, and and I told him, I said, listen, I, you know, I, I need to venture and, and do something on my own. I absolutely love this business. I run it as if it were my own and, and I treat it like it is. And I think people assume that I do own this place. I said, so I, I, I've got an, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I gave him what I felt was um, a, a really good scenario to work out here. I said, allow me to buy half the store from you. It would lock mm-hmm. me in. You'll never have to worry about me leaving, doing my own thing. You can continue to live the life that you've been living. Um, and I will promise you, this was, this was my side of the promise. I will promise you that within three years, you'll be making as much money as you are currently owning it 100%. Now he, he gave me a little bit of a laugh, but you know, he, he saw the seriousness in my eyes and I don't know that he believed me to be very honest, but he believed in me sure. and he believed nice. in me enough. Uh, to take me up on my offer. And it was great because, you know, for him, he didn't have to worry about me leaving or going anywhere. And for me, it gave me an opportunity to have a business of my own, the business that I was already already running as my own. And um, I, 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 I'm proud to say within those three years, I was able to make good on that promise. And, um, you know, it's been a great relationship ever since, you know, he doesn't step on my toes or get on my back about anything. He still, you know, questions me about how much things cost, you know, and, and that, mm-hmm. that it's always been a concern of his forever. And sometimes I, you know, I, uh, I tell him not to worry about it. It'll all work itself out. And other times we, you know, we talk shop, but it's been great ever since. That's wonderful. And I mean, you mentioned some, you know, words of wisdom from your mom. Is there from him being, 
you know, the originator and having an idea for this. Is there some sort of uh, motto or credo that's, you know, emblazoned on the walls or in the back of the house or that that sticks with you or with the team from kind of the early days? Well, there's there's many things along the way that he was able to to teach me, you know, and and in uh, in hard work is probably the number one thing. I had that ingrained. You had that in, yeah, you, right. Yeah, and, and the way I was raised, but you know, it was really something that you know he pushed for, and 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 I and I you know met the challenge. But I'll tell you, having come from the background he had and having stores of his own, you know, his his emphasis was on three things as far as a retail store goes: is is keep it clean fully lit, you know, very bright store and, mm-hmm. and fully stocked. And, um, and, uh, you know, it was all about the presentation, you know, he's a stickler about sweeping floors and making sure that everything always looked good from the sidewalk outside into the back alley, you know, and, um, uh, the one thing I would say that, um, I had taken from my mother cause she was in retail as well. She worked mm-hmm. odd jobs at, you know, tell 12 mall back in the day in Southfield, Michigan and, uh, Montgomery wards and that, and, um, she was really good with people and I watched her form relationships and really have this natural way of attracting people to her, helping them to feel comfortable with her. And she was great at adjusting and being able to appeal to the masses. I, you know, she had a, uh, uh, an inept ability, a great ability of doing that. And I recognize that at an early age. And I, I took that on. And that's something my, my uncle may have lacked coming from the grocery store and the market type businesses, you know, cause if you had a queen, a clean, well, clean bright in the uh, stuff, that's yeah. all you needed. And people came in and they bought what they wanted and they left. But in the pet, uh, the pet industry, you know, you're, you're essentially taking care of people's kids, you know, and, and they, they want to find people who know what they're talking about and have good answers and can help them problem solve with issues that they may have. And you earn inform, you know, and build trust through, through that. And, um, that was something I was able to, to implement. And that really was uh, the driving force behind the reputation that we were able to create. Now that's great. And I will say my exposure to premier pet supply, you've, there's stuff in writing about your bringing this, you know, treat golden rule kind of treat the customer, but there are a lot of places that say that, and then do they actually deliver on it? And, and you all do. And, and, uh, and that's how you've been. And, and I think probably your challenge now, as we look to the future is the hallway gets longer when you have a store in Beverly Hills, Michigan and Spurgeon's right. And then you have six that go to nine that go to 11, you know, how you keep that spirit consistent and alive uh, across multiple units. So, how, how do you do that? That's a, it's a great question. And it's a, a model that I'm very proud of. So what I did is I flipped the script. Now here I am running this store that I own and I have managers that I'm recognizing mm-hmm. as fantastic assets to the business. And for 10 plus years, I've wanted to do nothing but to grow the business. And um, there were opportunities that I wasn't able to take advantage of. There was times in which the banks that I was even, you know, doing my banking with wouldn't loan me any money. You know, it was, it was tough you know, uh, to, to get to that point. But the number one thing that I knew was going to be the most important and integral part of growing um, to scale was having the right people. And so mm-hmm. I looked around me and I saw that I had these managers that I knew wouldn't be employees of mine and shouldn't be employees of mine forever. And I wanted to create opportunities for them before they created opportunities for themselves. And I truly believe that they would, even though, or even if they maybe didn't believe that for themselves. But um, I was able to find locations this is back in 2015 and 16. Uh, that I felt would be a great um, uh, opportunity for Premier Pet Supply to provide what we provided in the Beverly Hills community for those communities. And I, uh, I pitched it to these guys individually. And I asked if they would like to be my partners and have a store of their own. 
And uh, they were very excited for that opportunity. That's great. Um, it is great. Um, it wasn't something that, uh, you know, I was able to just throw out there and provide for them. I think another, um, and I think they would appreciate it and tell you the same, that uh, part of the the, uh, the model that worked really well is that they were also both uh, individually, they were as in, invested and vested as I was in that we each had to come up with our own money to put those first stores together that we did ourselves. Um, and so you, when you have a partner, you know, that's vested, that's working and running yeah. the business that yeah. understands the brand and the culture and who you are and what you're all about and knows that you are committed to not just the four walls of your store, but also the community surrounding your store, like we did and like we were doing in Beverly Hills, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, they, these three guys are like brothers to me and, you know, we work so well together and we all have assets and things that, you know, that just mesh well and have enabled us to, to do what we're able to do and, and be able to uh, maintain that level of customer service, that level of community support and that level of, uh, you know, uh, just keeping out all things at a high level. We're able That's to do that. I knew I couldn't do that on my own. You know, I knew that I would have to have, you know, people. I mean, it's the equivalent of the cloning machine, right? You can't be right. in all those places and do all those things. Right. So it's worked out really well. You mentioned earlier having, you know, kind of being from a young age, you know, jotting down or having short term, medium term, long term goals, whatever. I'm sure you still do it. What, what do you, what's, what's, what's jotted down for you is, you know, the medium and the long term goals for, from your pet supply then? Yeah. You know, I think uh, a medium goal would be just making sure that we're able to maintain consistency amongst mm-hmm. all our stores. You know, the further and further you get from the nucleus, the more things have a tendency to unravel. Um, and so we're plugging and putting into place people that can help us maintain that. You know, we've got a young lady named Ashley that's now our director of training and customer success. Right. Okay. Floats around all the stores where, you know, we're, we're growing nutritionists within our stores that can help in doing consultations and that so people get great service and knowledge and information. So making sure we're doing and putting the systems together. So, you know, we can run our business as professionally as we can while still maintaining that mom and pop shop feel. So that's a good, you know, short-term goal. Long-term goal is, it, you know, there it's, it's two-sided, you know, there's um, the thought is that I, I don't want to be a big chain of stores. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a matter of trying to grow, to stay within the Metro Detroit market um, without getting uh, outside of a, a reach where we can still keep our, finger on the pulse of the things that are happening. Yep, so, I totally understand. So I, I've got the longer term goal of having more locations, but they're, you know, I, I keep saying, you know, well, when we get to 10, I think we'll be good. When we get to 12, <laughs> I think we'll be good. I just don't know what that number is right now. I don't want it to get, you know, out of hand. I just, I, I would, I'm not looking to be a huge chain of stores. Sure. I like our family of stores. I want to keep it that way. I, I, I quote often a, a legend in the advertising business, a guy named Jay Chiat, who had an agency out in California and they did, you know, iconic work for Apple and Nissan and others, but he used to talk about his company. How big do we get before we get bad? Mm. And you see that with restaurant chains, others, they're good when they have a few and then they get, they're successful. So they open more and more and then it stops being special or right. it gets watered down or so the consistency is something you want to keep. What do you, I mean, retail is so hard always. It's only harder now with technology and e-commerce and everything else. What are you guys looking to get better at? You know, I think, um, you know, and we can always be better in all aspects. You know, we're, we're never complacent. I think complacent okay, good. is like the root of all things bad, but um Another really, common theme in the legacy businesses, or they yeah. don't stay around. Yep. In, in any, any relationship, business or otherwise. Now, um, as far as uh, our business goes, 
I think that we could be a lot better at the system side of things and getting okay. down, you know, potentially um, instead of doing things uh, on, a, on a more individual store basis, doing them on a more, you know, uh, uh, you know, like uh, some economies of scale types of things or, yeah, you know, having central offices with mm-hmm. you know, HR and, you know, and training facilities and things like that. It's just, you know, possibly attached to a warehouse. The problem is our margins are just so tight. It, it is so difficult to offset the expenses. And, you know, it's a matter of getting to that point where it's necessary and we're on the verge. That, I mean, that, that is, I mean, makes a lot of sense. And how do you, you know, you've grown up in this business, you have that mentorship and relationship with your uncle, but how, where do you get uh, inspiration, ideas, coaching to learn about systems and nutrition. And I mean, how, how, where do you, where do you go to for that stuff? So, you know, I, I always, it doesn't mean anyone has to go to business school. I mean, you know, it's, right. it's you're living it. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, I, I, I look to um, everyone around me, you know, and I always have ever since I was younger, I would observe, I'd watch people um, who were successful. Mm-hmm. And I tried to ask as many questions as I could, whether they knew or not, they were being interviewed. They were, you know, <laughs> I was absorbing everything like a sponge. Um, but as equally as important, I would talk to people, um, you know, respectfully that it also failed and learn from, from yes. those, those people as well. Um, and so I look to uh, companies around me and people that I know that own businesses that have done very well, you know, I'm fortunate to be surrounded. And I think we all are in Metro Detroit by a lot of entrepreneurs and independent owners and operators of great businesses. Um, and, uh, you know, there are people that I can go to and talk to that have multiple locations in other industries uh, who have, franchised, uh, although it's not something I'd like to do, but sure. just talking to them yeah. about the aspect of going from running the business as your own to franchising locations. And um, I talk to as many successful business people as I possibly can. That's wonderful. I mean, I guess that's why I'm doing this too. <laughs> it's nice way to gather some of that to do the interviews. Do, uh, other, other, Are there other family members involved in Premier Pet Supply? With you. So my cousin Jeff is uh, is one of my partners. He's in, in okay. three of the stores. Um, you know, uh, throughout the years, uh, you know, we've had you know sisters and cousins and uncles and brothers working through the business. But um, that's uh, that's the connection right now, um, closely related to uh, one of my other partners. And the other partner came from the industry, but uh, we are very close family friends. So you know, all of us are very close in general, but of course my uncle is, is still a partner in the business and, and we are partners in both the Beverly Hills and our Troy locations. How does that, so how do you all make decisions uh, when you start talking about a next location or, you know, major, major moves? Yeah. It always interests people to know the, the makeup of it all. And so just on paper, you know, I'm the managing partner at 50. Okay. If anything came to a, uh, you know, a head and I had to make a, you know, a very difficult decision, it would be on me. I, we haven't even come close to that ever. Being That's, an issue. I got you. Yeah. I've, I'm, um, I'm very understanding, easygoing and have the ability to see all sides and, and many issues, aspects and personalities. And so it's allowed me and afforded me the opportunity to mesh very well with our partners. And I think they've all uh, channeled off of that energy and see a big picture where some decisions may not benefit as greatly certain locations it's for the better good of the company. And they recognize that long-term by doing certain things, you know, we'll all be in a better spot. And so it's just, I'm, I feel again, very fortunate the partners that I do, but it's worked out very well. 
Great. And, and over, you know, a couple of decades, your involvement in this, you mentioned studying kind of people are successful and some of the things that have failed is, is there some sort of famous story in premier pet supply of something that you tried, you tested that just well, did, well, didn't go well. I wouldn't say it's famous, but one I'm not super proud of, but it, it was a, a huge uh, lesson. A le- yeah, it's a lesson in learning, you know, right? Um, for uh, this was 15 plus years ago, maybe even 20 years ago now, I felt that it would be really important to make sure that we were competitively priced with everyone. And, you know, at the time, Pet Supplies Plus was the biggest player. I looked to them and their pricing and I just lined it up with everything that they had so that I knew um Basically, what I thought is if we could get people to shop with us, they would have no other choice because we felt that on all other aspects, we did a better job. You know, you okay. always think right. Um, I learned quickly that, it, you know, it was our least profitable year we had ever had. Um, and uh, it, our margins were the lowest they'd ever been and business hadn't changed. So, you know, I, I had to, you know, you know, just, you know, take it, you know, and you know, with my tail between my legs and 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 recognize that. And what I learned from it is if you do right by people and you do and take care of people and, and run your business the, the way that you really should run your business, price doesn't matter as much as you think. Yeah. People will shop and experience. People will shop where they're comfortable, uh, where they're confident that they're getting the right information and great customer service and not worry so much about price. Of course, I've lost a few customers along the way because yeah. we just can't be competitive always. You know, we're, right. we're, a, we're small in, in this, in the game of things right now. And, um, but we are, you know, very, very competitive in on most things we are priced as well or better okay. now, because I can get better pricing now because we've been able to grow as we have, but that was one of my, my the biggest mistakes I had made for sure. And I mean, you, you talked about, you know, running between the stores dealing with, you know, getting these, the materials you need to open new stores. So you're live, you've been living this business for, for many years, right? I mean, live and breathe it. What, how how do you yourself, um, you know, work-life balance isn't the right word because it's, you're doing the right things at the right time, but how, how do you get away from it a little bit? Do you? Yeah. You know, it was very hard for me for a long time. When okay. I was younger, I couldn't have a day off because I would be worrying too much about what's going on at the store. How are customers being taken mm-hmm. care of? If they're being taken care of conversations that I was missing. Um, it took me a really long time to get to that point. You know, it may have been in my mid thirties or late thirties. And after, after having done this since I was 18 years old to get to a point where I could take a, you know, a few days off without worry. And I'm not saying that I never took a day off, but there were, you know, right. almost two years in, in certain spans where cause it's retail that I'd never got a day off, but um, it, it's uh, it's never easy. You know, I find myself now at 45 years old, still trying to find uh, a place where I feel content in all aspects of life. You know, I still have that drive to want to sure. be as successful as possible in what I'm doing. Um, I still want to be able to make time for family. And then, you know, there is the importance of finding time for yourself, which people will tell you that comes first and foremost (laughs) and everything falls into place, but it still feels very selfish to me to think that way. And it's hard to get over. And you mentioned, you know, those family members that are partners and involved in the business and been connected to it for a while. Is there a, a next generation involved, possibly involved? Uh, You know, it, 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 it remains to be seen. You know, I, I obviously have kids and we got four of them and, and one just started working, actually working, uh, at, uh, one of the stores. Oh, great. 
at 14 years old, starting him young, get him a little structure and some discipline in his life. But uh, my kids had always kind of come up, you know, on Saturdays with me to work and, you know, saw uh, the business through, uh, through, you know, that perspective. But I, and I want for my kids to explore, you know, and find mm-hmm. their own independence. And, you know, it's something that'll always be there. And if it's not for them, I'm not going to take it personally at all. Right. Totally. I mean, that's the totally understand that. I, I, Sure wanted to do a lot of other things. I haven't grown up around this business, but found my, you know, that it was in my blood and passion for it. And, and yet understand those that go other paths. What's the pet situation in the Palmer household since it's the business? So we, uh, we've got a dog that we uh, adopted to the Michigan Humane. Um, they, her name is Francesca. We call her Frankie and she looks like a boy and her name is now shortened to Frank. So everybody thinks she's a boy. <laughs> uh, we've got a, a ball python. My son has that. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a pretty cool snake, and we've got a, a, a large aquarium. So that that's the extent of it right now. No, no, that's that's pretty good. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on you, your, you know, Premier Pet Supply is is truly kind of community focused and does a lot of community support. Can you just talk about some of the different things you do with youth and with pets and uh, across? I guess either I don't know if it's different by store or you've got this sort of generalized for the giant metro Detroit area, but what are some of those things? Well, for years, um, I found myself visiting classrooms in the districts in Metro Detroit all over, you know, and, and uh, anywhere from 50 up to 75 classrooms in a, in a, uh, a year, you know, just uh, younger, lower level, you know, taking animals and teaching the kids, okay. about, um, you know, the you know, being compassionate, you know, and understanding the responsibilities of pet ownership and trying to start them young into uh, learning about, you know, choosing wisely if it, there's a pet that's a potential for the family and doing your research and education and understanding that animal, because it's always a stance that we've taken, you know, in general. And on a higher level, middle school and high school, I've brought in rescues uh, in different groups in, and we've talked and had workshops and talking about um, the same things, you know, and, and how important it is to make sure we're doing all that we can to uh, you know, put animals in the best situation and not make bad choices that have in, animals end up being neglected, abandoned, or abused. Um, in our stores, and it originated in the Beverly Hills store, we started doing a, a volunteer program that unfortunately we had to suspend due to COVID and we haven't started back up again. But we uh, uh, have three to four kids once a day in, uh, in each of our stores for about an hour. They get a Premier Pet Supply t-shirt they can keep as their own to claim oh, wow. Premier Pet Supply as their first job. And they help us in cleaning animal cages and stocking shelves and, you know, just socializing animals. And it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. The parents absolutely love it. There was a point in time where we had uh, a 12 month waiting list just in our Beverly Hills location for that program. And, and um, that was four, four kids a day, seven days a week. And they got, That's to, a lot. Do it's so nice. they got to do that for a month, which is, it was really cool. Um, other than that, we worked very closely with uh, smaller and larger groups, uh, Michigan Humane, Detroit Dog Rescue, to name a couple, Almost Home, which is more local, and, um, you know, uh, smaller groups, just making sure that we're doing our part to ensure that we're helping them do, you know, what their ultimate goal is and, right. and ensure animals find good homes. There was something that. called Pet Pantry. What what was yeah, that? Uh, the Pet Pantry is something actually was, uh, uh, <laughs> I think she just graduated high school now. She's a young lady who was in uh, elementary school at the time, I think in fifth grade, and she put together a uh, nonprofit and her hopes and intentions were to help feed pets in people's homes to keep them in the homes that they wouldn't end up in shelters. Okay. Um, so she was getting ahead of it and being Beautiful. proactive because she heard it's actually, um, you know, when uh, we're coming out of the recession, how many people 
this may be even longer ago, how many people were having difficult times in doing so. And so we had the pet pantry going. And that's something that we continue to do through an outreach program, through a group in, um, in the Detroit neighborhoods where we pass out food to people. And um, the Michigan Humane Site also does their pet pantry as well, doing the same exact thing. And that's something we also have to contribute to. That's super. Uh, the last thing I've asked everybody that I've been, has been gracious enough to join this podcast and talk about their, their business and the family component of it. What's the most fulfilling thing for you about this unique family business that, that you're managing and leading? You know, I, there's, there's a few aspects to it. And I've had several people ask me if I've ever stopped to actually think about what created and done. Got it right. The pause and take. Yeah. In in which sometimes it scares me to do. And it's why I probably avoid doing that subconsciously, but I will tell you, um, I do take great pride in, you know, in the partners that I have and helping them to establish having businesses of their own and, and now being able to provide for their families. But uh, I can say the same about the almost 200 employees that we have is that we are and have created jobs in the community. And, um, and through that, and, and through great support of our, our customers, we're keeping money local, supporting local. I love helping, you know, smaller entrepreneurs that are doing things in the pet industry and giving back in that manner. So there, um, there is a lot of good that we're able to do. You know, I, you know, don't focus on that necessarily because it's not about sure. you're good that you're putting out there, but if you do things, with the right intentions for the right reasons, I do recognize that that all comes back around. Oh, that's fantastic. And then, um, you know, Mike Palmer from Premier Pet Supply, is there anything I forgot to ask or touch on that that you're want known about the business or you're proud of or word that you think in, I mean, we all know the data on the size of the pet industry and the growth of it. And you talked about the passion people have for their pets on guilty of having spoiled animals in a good way. So, but uh, anything else, any other angle? Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that, you know, is uh, worth noting is this, uh, this current situation where COVID having happened within the last you know year and a half, yeah. a lot of people having animals in their household. And, you know, the hope is that these people, as their schedules become busier, um, you know, recognize the time and attention that we need to maintain and continue with these animals and um, making sure that, that's a great point. Yeah. The right environment, right scenario. So we don't recognize them as being, uh, you know, uh, animals that are, are not behaving correctly. It's just that they had all this time prior with us and now they're acting out because they're not getting it. But, um, on the business side of things, it's been our saving grace because a lot of people have gotten pets in the last year and a half, but what's offset that, um, it's not that we've grown exponentially because of that. We've been able to maintain business because of that, but what's offset that and hurt us is, the vast amount of people that are now shopping online. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always been competition, but these online retailers are just huge. And you know, admittedly, they do a very good job of running their businesses and their customer service is fantastic. And namely speaking of Chewy.com, but yeah, to put things yeah. in perspective, um, three, four years ago, I think the revenues around 800 million annually. Last year, they surpassed $7.2 billion. So COVID was a shot in the arm that, in my opinion, as a bricks and mortar store owner, is right. something- Sure accelerated that 9X growth. They didn't need that, right? right? So, you know, my whole thing, it always has been prior to this, is try your best to support local, you know, mm-hmm. and wherever you may live and, you know, whatever it may be you're looking for, if it's a hardware, you know, store or uh, the drugstore, you know, or obviously your pet supplies, try to support your local independence. And, um, you know, that keeps our economy locally going the way that it should. Uh, that's, that's great. I mean, Mike, I, I really appreciate you sharing the premier pet supply ongoing story, driven story 
Uh, I'm going to continue to be a customer and a fan and all those things. But I, I really, I thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.